0: It is June tenth, two thousand and nine. Our message is called the three C's, and uh, C's is in uh, the third letter of the alphabet, not as in those big bodies of water on our left and right coast. Um, I want you to turn with me to John six. I've not planned on telling you this in John six, but I feel like uh, after worship I need to, and. it will flow right into our message, but I just feel like you ought to hear this. In John 6, starting in... Uh... Oh, let's just start in 37. 6.37. Tell me when you're there. there. there.
1: there.
0: Okay, John 6.37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. No matter how much the Lord is disciplining you, no matter how much of His chastisement you feel in your life. He is not trying to get rid of you. At one point in this chapter, Jesus looks at His disciples and said, do you want to leave too? But He still was not trying to drive them away. The Lord puts things in our path that allow us to find weakness that can be turned to strength. He puts things in our path that allow Him to be glorified and us to be diminished. That's a good thing. He said, For I have come down from heaven not to do My will, but to do the will of Him who sent Me. And this is the will of Him who sent Me, that I shall lose none of all that He has given Me. Jesus had a mission to make sure that those who God was drawing, those who had answered the call, were not lost. He is working that mission full time. That means if you fail, part of His mission would seem to fail. Because He does not want to lose you. There is only one thing that can cause you to be separated from Him. And that's you. That I shall lose none of all that He has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Speaking of the resurrection. For My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The goal of Christianity is that you would be raised from the dead even as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead. At this, the Jews, meaning the Jewish leadership, certainly not the whole nation, began to grumble about Him because He said, I am the bread that, that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can He now say, I came down from heaven? I love Jesus. There is no window dressing on His statements. Stop grumbling among yourselves. Isn't that great? I mean, what a direct, just call them out, Statement. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Uh, it's difficult for me not to preach about the resurrection reading, so many raised up at the last day. Nowhere did He say you'll go to heaven. He just said you'd be raised up. But this is not why I read this to you. I want you to know that if you're here today, you're here because John 6.44 says, the Spirit of the Father has drawn you. You know those songs, I have decided to... You didn't. Hmm. Oh, it's a sweet thought. You, you, You may have decided to respond. This is true. But He decided to draw you. He sees something in you that is of worth. He sees, oh, I know, there's the total depravity of man and all of these wonderful doctrines. The truth is, He knew that although you were leprous, when He touched you, you could become something more than you were. He knew that if He drew you, that if He had the chance to mold you, He could make you to be Christ. He could make you to be part of the Anointed One. And praise God, you're here. That means you're a part of that process. I'm not going to read it to you, but in Ephesians 2, he said that He saved you. It wasn't your work, it was His grace. And this grace operates through faith. And that He did this, so that you would do the good work He had prepared in advance for you to do. So if God Himself drew you into this place, then it's kind of like an NFL draft, if you will. The Lord began moving in the heavenly councils and through His angelic and supernatural power through the Holy Spirit, He began to work in the events of your lives so that Gabe Mays was no longer just doing Gabe Mays' thing. All of a sudden, he started to notice something that was important. So that C.J. was no longer just going about his day, but all of the sudden there was something else in it that began to resonate in his heart. To bring us to the place where something happens. He wants us to become aware of work that he had specifically designed for you to do. Fred has a mission. Cody has a mission. Ashley has a mission. Most of our Christian walk is about learning what that is, learning how to perform it—not just perform it, but perform it well. I'm one of those fortunate ones. If you're a Preetings Clearwater Revival fan, I'm not a senator's son. I'm one of those, I'm the King of Kings' son.
1: I'm
0: one of those fortunate ones that the day that I got born again, He spoke to me what the work that He had for me to do is. It's fortunate because I never had to guess. It was unfortunate because I had no idea how to do it and didn't believe that it could be true. Until 15 years later, I was crouching behind this building feeling as if my chest was about to explode, could not breathe, concerned about a great many things. And I realized it had been 15 years to that day, and look, I was standing in front of a church that I was pastoring, which is exactly what he told me. How do you look forward to something every day And be surprised when it happens. Yes. Well, Jesus is able to do that kind of thing. You're here because He's called you. He's called you because He wants something from you. Now let's learn about that process. Let's begin to embrace it. Let's be all that God has called us and purposed for us to be so that His will, His kingdom is established on earth the same way when He tells an angel to do something. There's not a long debate. It's simply done. Can you imagine in the heavenlies the Lord says, you know, Michael, I would like you to oppose uh, the king of Persia right now. I say, yeah, I don't feel like it. You can't even imagine that, can you? Human beings are the only ones that were even given that right. And what a right it is that we exercise. Your free will is more powerful even than God in the sense that God does not overwhelm it. He doesn't. Instead, He simply draws you. He says, come on, if you'll do this, If you will do this, there will be more fulfillment in it than the things you want to do. Mm -hmm. If you do this in the end, it will be more prosperous for you than the things that you want to do. Set your will down. Yes, yes, you'll get crushed, but in the end you'll be raised in power and in life. Come on. And only a few actually find it. Many are called. Very few are chosen. Oh, what a powerful, powerful statement that is. Mm -hmm. I don't want just to receive the calling. I want to be chosen. I don't want just to show up at the wedding feast. I want the proper attire. I don't want just to be a tree that was planted by the Lord. I want to bear fruit in season and out and then not just any kind of fruit, but the fruit that He called me to bear. For John, it might be pineapples. For Casey, it might be plums. For somebody else, it might be green apples. For me, I want to bear the fruit He called me to be. <laughs> Sounds funny, so Jesus called me to be a freak, doesn't I, it? I,
1: I, I. <laughs> yeah,
0: was that what do you mean by that? <laughs> what do you mean, you people? <laughs> Turn with me in Acts 16. There. What do you guys mean, you people? 15, Hallelujah! <laughs> 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 yeah, Act 16. 16 yeah.
1: there.
0: And Acts 16, pick up with me in the 13th verse. We have to pick up the pace because I have so much to preach and so little time, but it is summer. Yeah, your kids don't have to be in school. I still have to answer to the people in the children's church yes. after the message. And I do say and do what Jesus tells me to do, but they don't always, and they might hurt me. I'm kidding. I am kidding. But not really.
1: It's
0: like a metaphor that you meant to be true. Really then. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. Acts 16, starting in the 13th verse. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river. We expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. If there is just simply a gathering of people there by the river, what would you call that? Just a gathering. Relax, this is not a Hebrew roots. We're not talking about forming a minion or a quorum and pray. I just want to know in English, when you see a bunch of people, what do you call it? A what? A crowd! How about that? There is a crowd of women there. Right? Right? Right. 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 One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira. A very subtle way to say she was rich. Who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When you respond to a pastor's message, when you become part of that pastor's uh, following, what is that called? Church membership. Church members. Congregation. Congregation. This woman was standing in a crowd full of people and she was simply one of the members of the crowd. But when God began to move in her heart, something happened. The Lord opened a special place in her heart and she was no longer just one of the women there. She was one who responded. This is moving from the crowd into the congregation. We find out that there is a focus in the church. There is a focus that starts off inward and ends up outward. God is taking those who are simply standing by the wayside and He is pulling them into Himself. And the further He pulls them in, once they reach center, He sends them back out with the same message. This is the kingdom of God. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in cloth, purple cloth from the city of Thyatira who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, that's more than just responding, that is a public proclamation to everyone in the world that she has accepted that a change has happened. She invited us into her home hear about the little boys sitting on the couch with the pastor. The old pastor's there. And he says, hey, Johnny, mom and dad are cooking in the kitchen. Uh, what are we eating tonight? You know, because the pastor's nervous. He thought they might be cooking beans or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> little Johnny leaned over and said, I don't know. They said we were having some old goat over for dinner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> gosh, <laughs>
0: She invited them into her house. Her close personal space. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Saints, I am persuaded that He has called the crowd. And out of the crowd, the Lord opens up hearts and they become part of your congregation. And out of the congregation, some select few all of the sudden begin to gravitate in a personal way that they say, we want more. We want to share in this vision more. We want to carry this vision more. We want to learn to do this ourselves with other people. And this becomes your core. And what I'm looking for in our church and have found in many of your lives and I believe God is doing here is He has taken you and He has moved you from simply somebody that knew about life-changing ministries to somebody who's had a heart opened to that message to somebody who wants to step right inside it, be a part of it, and figure out how to propagate the kingdom here. We started in the crowd. We've moved to congregation and the Lord is forming a core for one purpose. That we might go out and do this again and again and again. He's not interested in building life-changing ministries. Did you know that? The Lord had no interest in building life-changing ministries. Or Eric Stevens, or Gary Kenshin or Michelle Callahan or Gabe Mazes' ministries. That's why we didn't even put a name on the summit. He's interested in building His kingdom. But if He opened your heart to respond to our message then we're assuming this is the place of your training. This is the place where you learn to build the kingdom. This is the place where you become a building block in God's house, rising to form a temple. And we have to learn how to function and flow in that. Speaking of building, we have been doing a lot of it lately. When you drive by a trailer sitting in the back that still has building materials on it, It's a pile of building materials. When you see it, it's just studs, metal, wooden, plywood, sheetrock. There's just materials on it. In fact, it even looks like trash. But when you arrange it properly, the studs in their place, the sheetrock in its place, the wiring in its place, the sheetrock mud in its place, all of a sudden it rises to become a dwelling for the name of our God a place where people can meet, uh, people can learn about Him, they can be formed in Him, they can form a core. As a people group, if all we are out here is a crowd, we are like a pile of building materials that could be mistaken for trash. But as God begins to move us into our right places within this local body and the larger body, what happens is we each find out, oh, I'm supposed to be A king stud. I stand on the left side of the door and support the hinges. I'm supposed to be a doorknob. I'm supposed to be a floor mat. (laughs) Bath mat. Could go much worse. And we find our place, and each place has a function in the kingdom. I began putting together these cabinets next door, and uh, I want to tell you... uh, Even after watching Adam do this, who is uniquely anointed for the purpose (laughs) and therefore should be delegated all of those (laughs) tasks, Even after watching him do it, I open it and uh, I have built things all of my life. It is much easier for me to build this from scratch out of simple boards than it is to put together this amazingly, ridiculously complex multi-use cabinet. And as I open it, the parts go everywhere. And even though I'm looking at directions that are supposed to tell me how to put this together, it's like... I don't get it. But what do you do? You start with the one piece that you know fits with another piece. And as you begin to assemble it, all of a sudden it starts to take shape and after a while you get used to little wooden pegs instead of cams. And you get used to cams instead of hinges. And you get used to screws where they go. And it begins to take shape for its function. Our kingdom is just like this. I might not know what to do with you when you walk through the door and proclaim to me that you are the prophet to the nation. I might not understand it. But if it's God, it will not depend upon me understanding it. It simply will be how you function. You won't have to convince anybody of your gifting. You won't have to persuade. You won't have to fight for your position. You won't have to worry that Lisa's going to get it! Lisa got my position. It doesn't work that way. In the King's instruction manual, he has appointed some to be. Some to be. Some to be. And he has all of these things to be. And you are already being. You exist. You are right here. He has made a place tailor-made for you. Turn with me to Romans 12. We'll be in Romans 12. Can we when you get to the third
1: verse. There. <laughs> there. There. You know,
0: I am one of those preachers that can heap conviction upon you with the best of them. Uh, that's how I treat myself and my thoughts. I am more aware of what I do wrong on a daily basis than what I do right on a daily basis. Tonight my goal is not to heap conviction upon you. I want to encourage you that there is a place within this body, right here, right now, that you are useful. Lindsay was gone for just a few days because her back was hurt. I missed her. I noticed that she was gone. Angie was sick, or her children were sick, and a combination of both. I missed the Shoemaker family. I noticed, I felt a loss when they weren't here. I can't tell you everything that they do. I don't know. But I know when it's not being done. I can feel that. When I'm worshiping in church and I am used to feeling certain things around me, I can sometimes tell you who is not there with my eyes closed. And I am a incredibly fouled, fallible, probably foul too, human being. <laughs> How much more our Father, who has destined you, who has drawn you, who has put out the NFL draft for you, to draw you into this place so that He can get something from you. He wants a return on His investment. Nobody gives up their first round draft pick. Jesus killed Him to get somebody in return that will not even play in the game. All of you, each one of you, has a profound, dynamic, high, cold, or you would not be here. You could be in so many places doing so many things. And He chose you to be here. Romans 12, starting verse 3. For by the grace given Me, I say to every one of you, (coughs) Thank you, Paul. It was you and not me that says it. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. You wouldn't think that this would be a difficult thing, and yet, all you need to do is spend time around each other, and you will find out very rarely do men and women rightly perceive themselves. How many times have you sat in a room and said something to someone and gotten a response you didn't expect? How many times have you been kind, thought you were being kind, and they mistook it for something else. How many times have you been misunderstood? My generation is the one that uh, absolutely tried to take ownership of this. We are the misunderstood ones. It, it birthed the whole grunge culture, and it was, it was grungy. Nasty. Nasty. And suddenly we took personal pride in the fact that we were misunderstood. Well, whose fault is that? If you are misunderstood, whose fault is that? How many chances do you get before you need to correct something about the way that you're being perceived? Sober judgment, friends, is looking into your life and seeing you as God sees you. That is difficult to do. You know what it requires? Constant interaction with the Word so that through constant training, Hebrew says, you learn to distinguish what is good from what is evil. When we look at ourselves in the way that God sees us, not the way Cosmopolitan Magazine sees us, not the way that Fortune Magazine sees us, when we look at ourselves the way the Word portrays us, neither thinking too highly or too lowly of ourselves, but seeing ourselves accurately, not as a drunk man, there is power in this. Most people never even stop to take an honest assessment of their life. In fact, they get mad at others that point them towards the mirror. Mm -hmm. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Some may have the same function, but not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all of the others. So much for American individualism. Well, this is just my thing, and I don't care whether he likes it or not. That is not biblical. Not at all. Well, I mean, he's got his thing over there and I've got mine over here. No. Not biblical. You have all been called into a congregation forming a core, and each of your function affects the other people. Did you hear that each of your functions affect the other people? Well, how much more your dysfunction? How much more when the eye says,
1: "Uh uh-uh, not
0: going to do it! I wanted the ear spot and I didn't get it, so I'm just not going to do it. Go get one of those hard shells people talk about. What happens... The kingdom's not being built. You say, well, it's just your church. No, my church is in the kingdom. The king himself commissioned it. Was not my idea. Was not even my desire. If I had my desire, I would have been on a ship with Lester, Lester Summerall six months after I was set. I don't know where I would be right now, but it would not be here. Every prophecy, everything that I wrote down that I thought was important. Thank God somebody stole here recently in my Bible. But if you had a chance to look through it, hopefully some crack addict is looking through it right now. (laughs) What you would find is that nowhere in the burning heart of the 18-year-old that was called by God's power with an audible voice did I want to farm and grow anything. I was a hunter. Lord, send me where no one else will go. I will find the cannibals. I will find the headhunters. That's what my heart was. But it's not what He told me the day I got born again. Most of the kingdom is about looking at ourselves with sober judgment. Examining our lives with the kingdom of God and learning to function within the calling. Some of you want to be great teachers. The problem is you don't teach now. You want to be an internationally acclaimed Joyce Meyer type teacher and you have not begun teaching. Well, how does that work? I want to be a great NFL athlete, but I have never touched a football. (laughs) Some of you want to be great, this, that, or the other. I'm asking you, what is right now within the function that is your life that is blessing the kingdom?
1: And let's build on that.
0: Maybe the problem is that first few words. I want to be a great So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to the others. I want you to understand that Jennifer belongs to Samantha. Samantha belongs to Stephanie. Christy belongs to Lindsay. This is how the kingdom works. We are our brother's keeper. That's hard to say, isn't it? That's never how you hear it quoted. I'm not my brother's keeper, is the quote. Who said that? We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him prophesy in proportion to his faith. In proportion to his faith. Our gifting works according to our level of trust. We don't go beyond it. We shouldn't shoot it short. Whatever you are sure that God has shown you to do, do that. Do that. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. No, no, no more encouragement, thank you. All done. (laughs) Never encourage. Whatever you do, do not encourage me again. I'm sick of it. Why do you even have to write a letter like this? Why do you have to write a letter if a man's gift is encouragement? Let him encourage. Why would you have to say that? Because there is an enemy working full time to create dysfunction in the kingdom of God. He is working to keep you from doing what you were called to do. And he has succeeded in wholesale fashion because when Christians sit on their salvation and their hands, they are not God's hands and feet. They don't get outside the church. They never put feet to their faith. What good is a hand that is not working or moving? For good is a heart that is not beating. Rise, O sleeper. Rise, that Christ's light might shine upon us. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. There is an entire message in hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Doesn't mean mildly dislike it. Doesn't mean if you get caught, hate it. We are to hate what is evil and cling, fasten ourselves, stick to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. You belong to each other. How much do you honor your idol? I mean you got two, is one is spare. You got two? I mean, come on, give a little, right? How much do you honor these things? You protect them, don't you? Might argue I don't as much as I should. How much? I mean, do you like your little pinky? It's just a little pinky. Is there any part of the body of Christ that you really don't value that much? It all belongs to us. We're supposed to function next to each other. We're supposed to be the body of Christ with one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Uh, that was just written to married couples, right? It's just written to those of you who like to cook. Practice hospitality. This was written to a church located in the largest empire in the world called Rome. And all the believers at Rome were told, practice hospitality. How you doing with that, Saints? Well, it's great to go to so and so's house. They like it so much. Me not so much. The word tells you, practice hospitality. Now, when you practice something, do you get it right the first time? Not always. How about the second time? Not always. You rep something over and over and over so that when it really counts, you get it right. You know who you should be practicing with? You guessed it. Your teammates. So that when you're on the playing field of life, you get it right. If you can't have over these brothers and sisters in your home and practice hospitality with them, well, I know you can. How about that? Corinthians 12. Let's go there. Uh-oh, they're bailing out.
1: There.
0: <laughs> Two of you are there. The rest of you have quit. You know, I have not even gotten to the meat yet. we just scraping away that bread-encrusted coating. Right? The deep-fried part. <laughs> With gravy and applesauce apple pie yeah. Yeah, just hard to impress I don't know what to say <laughs> Corinthians 12
1: <coughs>
0: you know what I've been thinking about I'm convinced now I, I noticed a trend as I go towards Mexico I found these Texas stop signs and uh, it's called Dairy Queen
1: yeah <laughs>
0: And I never break my diet unless we're on the way to or from Mexico. And I went a long, long number of years without ever going to Mexico and now all of a sudden, I think I'm contemplating my 12th trip to Mexico. Dairy Queen might have something to do with it. Y'all in Corinthians 12? Yes. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part. (laughs) How about this? Welcome this evening to Eric Stevens Ministries. Really? You want to buy a ticket to Eric Stevens Ministries tonight? The body's not made up of one part. In fact, if your entire church would collapse if you removed one person from it, probably not a healthy body. Probably not. See... It is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. In fact, you can have people that are called, empowered, chosen by God, wooed by His Spirit. Jesus says, I won't lose any of you. But it says, just, just not enough. I'm going to do it. It's too hard. I'm tired. The last time I tried, Matthew was mean to me. (laughs) You know, I did all of that. and And they didn't even say thank you. They didn't notice I was there. Well, you didn't cease to be a part of the body. You're just now a dysfunctional part of the body. Dysfunction's allowed to grow long enough, it becomes something called cancer. There's only one cure for that. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. Hey, we're going to do something just for fun. I. I I am am. just as He wants me to be. be. You'll be refined, saints. You will be sanctified. But your function is what He has determined for it to be. So you may want very much to have Matthew's job, but it's not going to happen because God gave it to him. You may want very much to take pictures that look like Debbie's But if you were not anointed to do it, it is not going to happen. And when you spend your life pursuing a function that you were not designed for, you are destined to be miserable. Do you know how many couples I know where the problem in the couple, a ministry-minded, God-loving couple, is the wife wants to be married to a pastor. The problem is her husband is no pastor. A godly man able to teach, perhaps an elder, but not a pastor. Who would not be happy married to a godly man able to teach who performed in a position of respect like an elder in a church? And yet, selfish ambition can consume somebody until you find every evil practice. James 3.16 says, where you find selfish ambition, think about that word. Ambition in itself is good. In and of itself, ambition's a good thing. But when it was derived from self, yes. you're what you desire to be rather than what God desires for you to be. You find every wicked thing you can think of. Right. I was told by this denominational guy, Hey Eric, don't worry, learn five of my sermons. We'll book you as a youth evangelist. Mm-hmm. We'll get you a pretty little girl to sing with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Friends, the kingdom does not work that way. Oh, it can be done. You can build big churches. They did. They did. The very people that told me that did. But I would not be functioning as God called me to function. And so even though I would be surrounded by a big church, at least what they call a the church, mm. I would be very hollow inside.
1: Mm.
0: There's a Jason Upton song that says when they've sought for glory and fame, what will they do when heaven doesn't know their name? Mm calls them powerful weaklings. They're powerful in this world system and they're weaklings in God's economy. Saints. We don't have to be that. You don't have to. You have a chance to be oh wow, that's that American Idol song. I don't want to be anybody but me. You have a chance to do that. All you have to do is be what God has called you innately to be. When I met Gabe Mays, I noticed immediately guy's got a little different sense of style. It's kind of neat. Uh, I don't have that. It's not in me. I'm not drawn to it. I mean, I appreciate it in him, but I would be ridiculous
1: doing some of that. <laughs> right?
0: But for him it works. Right? right. And that's a good thing. Yeah. It is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If he tried to be me, it would be a little ridiculous. And the beautiful thing about the body is that it is made up of so many parts. I miss something in my life when he's not around. I called him the other day or texted him just because I missed him. That seems strange for guys. It's like, why are you calling me? I just called to say. No, I'm kidding. But I missed you, you know? You know? I, that's the body. Yes. We're supposed to experience loss when we're not around each other.
1: Right.
0: Fred was out for weeks because his shoulder hurt. Mm-hmm. I missed him. You know? That's the kingdom. That's not because he's my father in law. He's my father in law for years and we didn't miss each other.
1: <laughs>
0: but see, we're called to the same place, we're functioning in a body. Yeah. Say something wrong?
1: We always liked each other. It's not
0: like we went for warm, long walks on the beach holding hands or something. We just, we're just guys. Let's get back to the Word. Watch this. Verse 21. I can't believe y'all did that to me.
1: The eye cannot say to the
0: hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You see, the kingdom is built upon this interdependency. I've often wondered. I did a Bible study one time. Matt probably didn't even remember this, but you know, it's it's my opportunity to stand up here and tell everybody secrets. I'm kidding. Matthew was just a, a young man. He's probably still in high school at the time. I'm preaching at a Bible study, or about to preach, and Matt was supposed to show up and do worship but it didn't show up.
1: <laughs>
0: and I paced outside. You know, I don't, like, uh, I don't like for something not to go right. You all know that about me. It's very hard. And so, uh, as if anybody likes it. But, I mean, for me, it's a special challenge. So I'm pacing outside and I'm praying. And most things in my life, when I read, reach obstacles, I will push a little harder, uh, be a little more aggressive, forceful, whatever it takes get it done. But I can't do that with a guitar. Yeah. And so I'm walking. I said, Lord, you just got to give me this gifting i just got to have to learn. I mean, we can't have this, Jesus. I need your help. And he's like, he just laughed in my face. (laughs) To make it better that night, somebody prophesied. They didn't know. Every once in a while, you get a weird prophecy. Eric, I see you leading Mm. worship.
1: Mm.
0: It couldn't mean anything. It was moral. God made me to, hear me, need Matthew. Mm. And it is beautiful when it works right and you recognize it. There's an interdependency there. I am incomplete in ministry without His aid. And He is incomplete without mine. The same way, not identically the same way, but the way that God calls couples in your home is incomplete without one or the other. Yeah, this is just turning into a wonderful
1: message. Yeah,
0: y'all never knew that, huh? Thank you. My whole point.
1: Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you. I feel like a pitching tents
1: in Sodom. There's another joke.
0: So here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. God has made us in a way where you are dependent upon believers that are around you. And it is supposed to be that way. It is a very American concept that says, He is my Savior. This is my church. And I can do what I want to. Mm. The Hebrews see themselves as a community of believers. We came out of Israel. We serve God. He is our God. In fact, the Lord's Prayer is our Father, not my Father. Mm. It is our Father. And this all communicates one message. If Mario's gone, all of a the sudden there is a loss here.
1: Yeah.
0: But you don't have to be gone. You just have to be performing outside of your function. Right? Now I know I've said some silly things. Don't miss the point. In fact, I enjoy that this is my family. I'm not speaking in front of some church where I have no mercy, where they're looking for the chance to exclude me. I'm speaking in front of my brothers and sisters that love me and I love you. And we would lay down our lives for each other. But you need to understand, you would never sacrifice your head for someone. If you mm-hmm. won't sacrifice your time, your feelings, mm-hmm. your sense of importance, you won't. If you can't do it in the little things, you won't do it in the large. Mm-hmm. We deceive ourselves. Start in whatever is in front of you. If you're called to function as an evangelist, evangelize your family. Mm-hmm. Then your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Practice. 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 Mm-hmm in the church so that you get it right when you go out there. If you're called to be a prophet, start in your home and work out. If you're called to be a pastor, be a great husband first. Right? Turn with me to Numbers. I have all the rest of the messages in Numbers. Can you all bear with me a little longer, do you think? Yes. Oh, yes. You'll be in number 16. You know, I have a mentor, a pastor, a man that I love. And from time to time, like all men, I have noticed that he uh, has been down, right? Uh, It's a good thing when you grow to the point where you can see uh, the people who teach you are not perfect. This allows you to glorify God. And what is funny is the devil beats him with the same stick that he beats me with. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're a failure. Mm -hmm. And you're a failure because, and you should be discouraged because, you do not have all around you the visible success that these other people have. And if you dwell on that kind of thought very long, it begins to kill your sense of importance and worth in what you're doing. It takes your eye off of the task. It causes you to want to function like someone else's function, to regret not selling out. And every time I talk to him, I notice something. It's an encouragement to him just to hear from me because his function was to raise me up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm still here. That means he did not fail. That means that despite an outward sense of success, inwardly there will be something to glory about on that day. Since I glory in you, when you function in the way that God's called you to function, it means that I'm doing something that is right. And I am very proud of my friendships and relationships outside of this church. I've worked very hard to maintain them. And they're very close to me. But I am not prouder of any of them than I am here.
1: Not not any of them.
0: And all we have to do is be what God's called us to be. And not try to be anybody else, but actually show up. Be here. Buy in. Do it. And you know what? Everybody's life is richer for you.
1: Isn't that cool? Yes.
0: Isn't it good that God didn't make it to where you had to try to be somebody you weren't? In fact, I didn't fit in with the Christian world for so long because I thought I could never be that mamby-pamby thing that I see up there. I just can't. And it, maybe God, maybe so gifted in so many other areas, others don't notice it, but to me, I just I, I, I can't do that. And God didn't want me to. He called me to be me. Mm -hmm. In fact, He uniquely shaped me and formed me for this purpose. Everybody that knows me knows I have an incredibly hard head. And I would have to. He sent me to a place where there is a church on every single block. And every pastor we met said it can't be done. Why would you even try? And for years we saw nothing. And you know what? It's here. It's here don't say that to justify the way that I am. I'm telling you that you are supposed to be unique. John shouldn't be Mandy. Mandy should not be Dre. We are supposed to be the way we are, but function within the kingdom. You know, Your personality can be shaped by God, but it was also given to you by God. Start with me in number 16. In number 16, what we basically have is men who are called... Men who are uh, Levites, men who are uniquely gifted and talented for certain things, but they're not happy with what they were called to. and they want what others have. This is like being able to sing like an angel, but, and, and, and it's anointed and you feel fulfilled when you do it, but all of a sudden you notice, you know, most teachers would like to have more fun, and you want to teach. And suddenly singing's not fun to you anymore. I mean, it's almost with this thing, you know? And you start to lay it aside what God called you to function at for the dream of the greener grass on the other side of the fence. Now, I'm not preaching to anybody here, am I? I mean, there's nobody here that didn't think their life was good and wanted somebody else's, is there? Why do you women read those magazines? Watch those shows on TV? Isn't it some form of escape to imagine what your life would be like if you were someone else? If you had her figure? If you had that house? If your husband was employed at that place? Selfish ambition is the root of every kind of evil you can think of. There's every evil practice associated with it. That's just as distasteful as so many things that men are famous for. In number 16, I want to show you how this progresses. Korah's son, Ezhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and Om, sons of Peleth, became insolent and rose up against Moses. You know why their pedigree was given? Their pedigree was given because they're descendant from Israeli princes. And one in the group is actually a Levite. I mean a special group out of all God's people. A special group. And they became insolent and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. Who wouldn't be happy not only to be Israeli royalty, to be of noble pedigree, but also to be appointed members of the council for the prince with God. That sounds like a pretty good deal, huh? But they weren't happy. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Well, that was true. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Did Moses set himself above the Lord's assembly? Who remembers Moses' calling? Moses argued with God. No, you know, send somebody else. My brother speaks better than I do. I'm like, Come on, Lord, I I can't do this. And God finally basically said, shut up, who made man's mouth? You're going to do it because I told you to do it. And then in fear and trembling, Moses went to do it. It was not his idea. But now they're accusing him of setting himself up above everyone. We're all holy man. Who are you to take that position? He's nobody except the one that God picked for him. Yeah. Now, it's one thing to point out Moses because he's the head of this nation, but what I'm getting at is, let's suppose that you want a job on the cleaning crew. And mm-hmm. you say, well, who is Mario to have got that position? He's the one the Lord picked. So, but we're all just as holy. Why did, why did they pick him and not me? I don't know. Maybe it was Jesus that had a reason. Do you know better than Him? It's funny. You can break into factions over who has keys to a building. (coughs) I never considered it was any great honor. Honestly, I gave people keys because I didn't want to be here while they were here. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: how about that? There are times that I could not be here, so I delegated a principal. But it could make you feel left out, couldn't it? What if you see a trend Everybody from Louisiana receives special favor. Yeah, because I so obviously love Louisiana. Now. I mean, it's the subject of all my preaching and teaching, Louisiana, the promised land. I never use it in a negative light. It's only those college grads he likes. Come on, saints. The Lord chooses to set some people in some positions. It's our job to figure out what is this person's function? How do you see them acting? Wow, they like to clean the cleaning crew. They like to be around kids, children's church. They don't like to be around kids, children's church. (laughs) Why do you set yourselves above the assembly? When Moses heard this, he fell face down! Then he said to Korah and all his followers, in the morning the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy. And he will have that person come near him. The man he chooses, he will cause him to come near him. God chooses. He chooses. Let's get down to 12. Then Moses... No, not 12. 16. Moses said to Korah, you and all your followers are to appear before the Lord tomorrow. You and they and Aaron. Each man is to take the censer, his censer, and put incense in it, 250 censers in all, and present it before the Lord. You and Aaron are to present your censers also. The chief complaint here was not that Moses was really above everybody. They were looking and they said, you know, we're all Levites here. Why does Aaron's house get this uh, special high priesthood? We don't like this. I mean, we're all holy. We're all Levites. Why is it? Uh, why is it this one family? I mean, aren't we just as special as them? So God says, "Okay, I want you all to show up." Hey, look, you got these censers where you offer incense as priests. Bring them. So each man took his censer, put fire and incense in it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance to the tent of meeting. When Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them, at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. Isn't it weird you can start off opposing a man and end up opposing God? Now I know pastors have abused that. We've often acted like if you disagree with us about a choice of food, you're Uh, against God and He's against you. But let's be real. If God has set people in certain positions and He's moving through them, and because of your personal likes and dislikes, you begin to despise that, isn't that kind of despising God's work? And it happens every day. I've become fond of saying this is where this church is going. It's our vision. It's not the only vision. It's our vision. If you don't like it, There are other churches with other visions. You don't have to stay here and hate me. Go somewhere and hate some other pastor. (laughs) I've learned when people show up here and they hate the pastor where they've come from, it's not long and they hate me.
1: It's not long.
0: We have a distaste for authority. It's in us. It's natural. It's especially in us as Americans. It's why we like to drive giant vehicles and have bigger armies and all of those things. We want to self-direct everything in our life and be at no man's mercy. But the kingdom is built on interdependency, needing each other. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from the assembly so I can put an end to them at once. That shows you how God felt about it. But Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, what is it about men of God that don't want their brothers to perish? If somebody opposes you and calls you ugly and what do you want to happen to them? Call them fire on them, Lord! Fire! He didn't want that. Because there's a function that Korah was supposed to do. Israel would be missing something without these important... They were members of the council. Everybody loses when the people of God don't act like the people of God. I have lived long enough in this church to see people bail out on God's promise for their life. And our church suffers for it. Say, well, good riddance. I'm glad they're gone. Now this will be easier. No, I really don't feel that way. It hurts. There's a street I drive past right now in this area. It's one of the first women I baptized in Sugar And she defected. Not just from church, but from the kingdom. She may come back, praise God, hope she does. Our church is missing something because of that. God raises up other people fulfill that role, but the truth is it's like a pinky trying to be a pointer finger. Just not designed for it. You understand? We are the body of Christ. But Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, Oh God! God of the spirits of all mankind! We be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins? To make a long story short, Moses begins to pray and he says, If these men die a natural death then God didn't set me over them. But if something unusual happens, if the earth opens up and swallows them alive so that they go into the grave without dying, then you'll know that the Lord has set me over these people. And it happened. And one of the most amazing things happens. It's in uh, verse 37. He sends out the Levites. and says, go get their censers. Those things where they were offering incense. Go pick them out of the uh, rubble. Go pick them out of the carnage that is these men's lives. You know why? Those censors were made to be held by Israelites. They were made to be held by priests. And because these priests defected now, they had to do something else with them. They had to hammer them into something new for the Lord. But what they were intended to be, 250 of them, were instruments of intercession between people and God. And now they were missing. What happens when the body of Christ is filled with dysfunction? the work of God it slows. It doesn't get done. It has to reshape. It has to form. And it might take another year or two for somebody you love to get saved. Are there any of you that would like to have gotten saved a year sooner than you did? Last Scripture. Turn with me to Numbers 12. What I want you to get from Korah's rebellion is that you already have a place. A place of honor. A place of esteem in the kingdom. Don't desire the one thing that you don't have. It'll consume you. Mm -hmm. It'll leave you in a place where God can't even use you. Mm -hmm. If you are an ear, don't strain to be an eye. Simply stand before God and say, I am what you've called me to be. Form me. Shape me. Refine me. But I want to be what you've called me to be. Amen? Amen? Numbers 12. Our last scripture. One is don't attack those in positions. The next is, what do you do when you are attacked? Have you ever been in a position where just because you did what God told you to do, people didn't like you? And I didn't mean you even said something. Maybe somebody's jealous. Why is that guy always the one up there singing? You know? Who is so-and-so that he gets to preach as much as he does? I mean, who do they think they are? And that couple really must think they're special. They're always trying to get people at their house like people want to go to their house it's only funny because you've heard things like it if you didn't think it yourself right and our church is healthy our church is healthy I'm telling you it is I've been around enough to know what do you do when you're attacked it was really Aaron who was attacked in number 16 but in number 12 Aaron is doing the attacking and so is his sister Miriam Miriam and Aaron began to speak against Moses because of his Cushite wife. For he had married a Cushite. Well, I hope so if he had a Cushite wife. (laughs) Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? This sounds eerily familiar, doesn't it? Aren't we holy too? They asked, hasn't he also spoken through us and the Lord heard us? Now, let me ask you something. Is this about the wife or is it about the fact that Moses speaks for the Lord? They said they were angry because of the Cushite wife, but now they lodge no complaint against the Cushite wife. I found out that people will use all kinds of things as a pretext (laughs) to justify feeling about you the way they did. So maybe some things come easy for you. Maybe you're anointed in some area, and somebody else is struggling in that area. How do we handle that? Do you find something about them that you don't like? Do you look for error? Are people doing that to you? What do you do when somebody's attacking you, and maybe it's baseless? I can tell you, personally, it still hurts. I, I got fired one time. I did nothing wrong, nothing. I knew this person was wrong, still hurt my feelings. I still sat there and felt like a failure because I'd been fired.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: right? I'll say no but I mean the truth is if you've been there you know what that feels like what do we do I fired off an email it was kind of my way to strike back only time completely justified in my own eyes and maybe from even a legal sense was right that thing became a source of frustration in my life for the next year yeah watch what Moses does Now Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That's quite a compliment. Mm -hmm. Who wrote the book of Numbers? Well, there's a thought to ponder. The most humble man on the face of the earth. (laughs) At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. I notice God likes to show up at the tent of meeting and call a woodshed meeting. He really does. Korah? You want to talk about this? Bring all your people and your tools. Come on. i got something special for you. And they all went into the hell alive. Now he's told Miriam and Aaron and Moses, I see, there's a problem. You don't like my guy. Well, why don't all three of you show up and we'll have a talk? I don't know about you, but I would not go to the tent of meeting if I had a problem. I'd go to the tent of meeting when things were good. I'd stay outside the camp and pray that my heart was right and didn't go to the tent of meeting. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out to the tent of meeting all three of you. So the three of them came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. Moses is there. Aaron and Miriam. Who did he summon? Aaron
1: Aaron
0: and Miriam. (laughs) You know, Moses is feeling pretty good at this point, right? It's like all three kids are standing before Dad. Dad says, the two of you in that room. You know it's it's not good, right? He said, "...listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses?" Moses did not fight. He didn't tell the Levites to put their swords on and kill these people. Moses did not even defend himself. He didn't say, you know, guys, I kind of like my that wife. What would you do to you? He didn't say, well, the Lord spoke through me because this, that, and that. He didn't say
1: anything.
0: And it left room for God to save. Would you rather have God call somebody into account that is dealing harshly with you and Him speak to them? Or you? Who do you think would do a better job? Watch this. The anger of the Lord burned against them and He left them. That in itself would be enough. He left them. That would be enough. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, there stood Miriam, a leprous, like snow, Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had leprosy and he said to Moses, please my Lord, do not hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Why is he talking to Moses? I thought God spoke through him too. Because in his heart, he knew Moses was in control. He just didn't like it. You know, the kingdom of God is like a round table. All of us seated at a round table. But when it functions correctly... You don't have any problem knowing who's at the head, do you? It doesn't have to be fought for. It doesn't have to be labels. You just know. Moses never set himself up at the head of the table. His table was right. In fact, because he didn't set himself up, others felt free to criticize him. But at the end of the day, it was pretty evident who was in charge, isn't it? Who did they turn to when they had the problem? so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from the mother's womb with flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, O God, please heal her. Listen to his heart. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, if her father had spit in her face, God spit in her face. And why? Because she killed the baby? Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: she kicked the child. Nope. She just despised somebody that he put in authority and that was like despising him. See, here's the thing. From Korah, you learn not to seek out positions that were not given to you, not appointed to you. But from this scenario, you learn that whatever position you hold, you hold because God gave it to you. Nobody can take it away. You need not defend it. You need not fight against it. God will spit in the face of those that have opposed you. I've seen this personally in my life. He will make it so that they come back to you and ask for forgiveness if you do nothing. The more you do, the harder it it makes that process. I told you I wouldn't have you turn there, so I want to quote to you Ephesians 4. If you were looking at Ephesians 4.11, you would find, for He gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be pastors, some to be teachers, and some to be evangelists. To prepare God's people for works of service until we are all built up in the unity of the faith. Now, I'm quoting that to you not because you are all the apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, or evangelists. But the reason that you are what you are is by God's choosing so that we may all be built up. We're being prepared for works of service and every person here belongs to every other person. When we function like that, we are a healthy church. We are strong. Any one member could be removed and there would be loss, but there would not be death. This is what we're trying to build. It's not Eric Stevens' ministry. It's not Matthew P. Rowe's It is supposed to be the ministry that is your lives. And we're giving you every opportunity but we are not seeking you out, saying, please, would you do this? We want to see what is born in your life. Very rarely do we tell anyone no. We only do if we see something we think would hurt you. So let me ask you, what is the ministry that is your life, and how can we help you get there?
1: Because
0: this is our call. Our calling is to do that. Make wise use of your time with me. I don't know how much will have. Mm-hmm. Stand your feet. Let's pray. wouldn't you think that after you saw the earth open and swallow some people you'd stop complaining?
1: Do
0: you know the next day they came in mass and complained against Aaron and Moses and said you killed our brothers? (laughs) I don't have a little switch that opens the earth's mouth. I didn't find that lever. I don't think Moses had it. They had to lay out Aaron's staff before the presence of the Lord along with the other leaders. And Aaron's is the only one that brought life need to understand something. When God anoints you in a position of leadership, it does not make you smarter. It does not make you right. It makes you blessed. Our decisions when we operate in the position God called us to, whether it be a husband or a pastor, are blessed whether they're right or wrong because our staffs are budding. We're just blessed. So we're not arguing about who's right, who's wrong. We're just saying it's blessed want to dwell in a blessing, learn to flow in authority. Find your place in it. Mighty God, Lord, we love You.
1: I love Your Word.
0: Lord, even with this other Bible, Your Word comes alive. You are faithful. You are faithful to teach me out of the abundance of Your hand. Lord, we pray that these blessings would overflow to their lives. Mighty God, I want them all to be prophets. I want them all to be teachers, pastors, and evangelists, but what I really want is for them to be what You have called them to be. Lord, I pray they would excel in You. That they would have a driving passion for You that outweighs every other desire. In the name of Jesus, I commit these people, this congregation, this core. To the Heavenly Father and say, "Your will be done." Lord God, Your will be done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All
1: right, Saint.